Hey, it's Dave. And today on the show, we are going to talk about how robots are coming to take your job. I heard of a tool in London called Eleven Labs, and it was pretty impressive. I was sitting next to Mike Russell from Music Radio Creative, and he, the real Mike, said something. And then out of his phone, um, his fake voice said something he typed. It was pretty spooky. You know what else is spooky? This isn't really Dave. I uploaded four one-minute clips of me, and 11 labs made me sound like this, so I could get ChatGPT to come up with some mediocre content and have Robo Dave read it. Hit it, ladies! The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005, I'm the real Dave Jackson, your Hall of Fame podcast coach. Thanking you so much for tuning in. Are you freaking out as bad as I am? This is where... Did I get you? I don't know. This is where we talk about all things podcasting. From planning to promoting, growing your audience, monetizing it. I am flattening the learning curve of podcasting at my website, schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the website, schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener, and that will save you on either a monthly or yearly subscription. And of course, that comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Now, for the record, that cost me five bucks. Uh, the website, because I know you're like, wait, well, what, what? Yeah, is uh, 11labs.io. And there are things you can do to make me a little more monotone. You can make me a little more kind of radio voicey where I have lots of uh, inflection. Uh, Maybe I'll play that in the bloopers, but I heard this and the thing to keep in mind and robo Dave will say this in the bloopers. If you go, ah, you didn't really, you didn't get me Dave. I knew it wasn't you. That's as bad as this is ever going to sound. And I remember when Descript first came out and there have been other things that have done this, but this is one that I'm like, Yeah, if I wasn't listening for it and was in the car, I know my buddy uh, Dan Klass from The Bitterest Pill did the exact same thing. So I'm stealing this like I do everything from the great, the immortal Dan Klass. And uh, he totally got me because I wasn't expecting it. And I don't know if it was because I was in the car, had some car noise, but I didn't notice a difference. The thing I loved is you can do things to slow it down and to emphasize it. And one of those is to put in an ellipsis, which is a very fancy word for three periods. And when I did that, it put in an um. So that um, yeah, it's so bizarre. And so what I want to talk about today, because there is a part of us that goes, wait a minute. So chat GPT, which again is as bad as it's going to get, it will only get better, is going to type all of our stuff. So all we'll have to do is say, create an episode on whatever topic and it will spit something out. And then I don't know, Zapier or some sort of integration will paste it into 11 labs. And then that will throw it into, I don't know, some sort of audio thing, you know, uh, Alphonic maybe, which will post it to my media host. So all I have to do is on Sunday night, go make an episode on this. And there's a part of you that is probably, wait, hold, hold, come on in. Oh, man. Hey, oh, this is so awesome. Joe, I, I know we talked on the phone. If you could just quickly grab that mic 
you said you would do a testimonial for me? Absolutely. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, fake Joe Rogan. This is Joe Rogan, and I've got a major shout-out to give to Dave Jackson, the man behind the school of podcasting. Dave has been running his podcast for 18 years now, and that's a major achievement. He's been a true pioneer in the podcasting space, and his efforts in educating people about podcasting have been invaluable. Dave, keep doing what you're doing, because you're making a real impact in this industry, particularly for indie podcasters everywhere. Thanks so much, Joe. Absolutely. Yeah, and that is spooky. And again, that is fake Joe Rogan. Thanks to uh, Jonathan Bailey Strong. He uh, showed me that little trick when I was in London. And this is where, you know, when money gets involved, people make bad choices. So if I wasn't, you know, an honest podcaster, I would put that on my front page and big picture of Joe and say, here you go. Joe Rogan said I'm great. But he didn't because that wasn't Joe Rogan. And so things are going to get weird. But the one thing I wanted to point out here, the one thing that we have that robots don't, because I'll repeat this multiple times, what you just heard is as bad as it's going to get. It's only going to get better. But they have a missing part. And we were talking about this a little bit on Ask the Podcast Coach. That's a show I do every Saturday at 10.30 Eastern Standard Time. It's live, askthepodcastcoach.com. And my co-host, Jim Collison, brought up something. Well, you know, pain shapes the human experience. And AI just doesn't experience pain, right? It is pain, emotional pain, physical pain. AI doesn't really right now today, I'm not saying it's not ever going to happen, but doesn't have a way of experiencing those things. And while it can experience the experiences of the internet, it doesn't have any right now for what we're using. It doesn't have any real-time experience. And it's that pain. It's our childhood. All the things that have happened to us that shape who we are. And often it's those negative things that we don't let go of. And it may be those negative things that people can relate to. So for that, I give you Exhibit A. This is on Hulu a guy I've never heard of named Jelly Roll, who apparently is a rapper, rocker, country guy. And here's a small clip where he explains a little bit about where he came from. I've been to jail 40 times in my life. I never made it out of the ninth grade. I'm really a street kid that had absolutely nothing going for him. To me, life was about climbing mountains. They said we were too fat to be in the music business. They told me that my voice wasn't cool enough. They told me I didn't have an image, but never fit in country music or any genre. You know, these are all to me as mountains. We had to just climb and conquer. And he explains how he still battles imposter syndrome. 70% of us battle imposter syndrome. But because of his horrible childhood, people, and this is the key, you will connect with somebody who's probably either experienced that in the past or experiencing it now. And this is where... You might go, yeah, but I'm not this or I'm not that. And he talks about how he doesn't sing right. And well, I just started really singing a few years ago. So I'm still not comfortable singing. I'm like a scared child when I have to sing. And I just sing good because I just sing from the stomach. Maybe that's the magic to it, though. Maybe I'm a decent singer because I don't know how to sing. You know, and I'm the one dude that's just singing songs of the broken. This community has allowed me to speak on our behalf on behalf of the depressed, the stressed, the anxious, the addicted, where I'm just documenting what I see and what I know. 
I've been a drug addict. I've been a loser. I've been a stealer. I think that people connect with the music because it's a reflection of themselves. There's people lined up around the buses every night. It's unreal, kind of. Signs in the crowd, your music saved my life. I'm haunted at times because you can close your eyes and think of that father who cried on your shoulder because his daughter overdosed at the Publix next to the venue. You'll remember that dude forever. So as humans, we have to double down on what makes you, what makes me, me. Because there's no one else like you. There's no one else like me. And an example of this is Taylor Swift. I was watching a series that NPR has called NPR Music Tiny Desk Concerts. And they've had people like Taylor Swift, Bono and the Edge from U2, uh, Alicia Keys, et cetera, et cetera. And Taylor Swift is talking to her audience, and she says this. I've spent quite a bit of time writing breakup songs. So there is someone who is doubling down on what she does well, which is write breakup songs, which 13-year-old girls sing at the top of their lungs as they cry. And it works. You give your audience what you want. Another documentary I was watching, also on Hulu, Eight Days a Week, a film about the Beatles and their early days. And I never noticed this. I'm a huge Beatles fan. I, I grew up inheriting my older brothers and sister, uh, their music. In the early days of the Beatles, think about their, their original hits. I want to hold your hand. Notice something here. They're doing something that I preach. They didn't say, hey, guys, I want to hold your hand. They said, I want to hold your hand. Singular. You know, love me do. Not everyone love me do, love me do. And they were giving songs about guy meets girl, girl meets guy. We're going to be together, love. And what did that audience want? They wanted a song that would ex that they could say, this is what Paul is going to sing to me. When he sees me in my red dress, he will ignore the other 50,000 people screaming their faces off and we're going to get married. And then, of course, later they started dropping acid like it was chiclets and their music then also progressed in a way it, it uh, matured shall we say to meet the needs of their audience who were also doing lots of uh, hallucinogens shall we say and it makes the human species sound like a bunch of narcissists i'm reading a book right now called listenable and you know why i like it this guy is saying everything i would say if I was writing that book. It's kind of like, yeah, I can identify with that. You're absolutely right. Go. And so whether it's good, bad, ugly, left, right, tall, short, chat GPT can't tell you about the story when your ex-wife whipped an ashtray at your head and it got stuck in the wall or she smeared scrambled eggs in your face or the thrill of having your two-year-old great-niece go, love you, unk, and just how warm that made you feel. ChatGPT can't do that. Some of us might say, yet, but it's those things that make you. So embrace those things. Now, let's not go crazy with this and just talk about ourselves. I always say when you can use a personal story to make a point, that's where those really come in handy. But if you just start off a show going, hey, hey, guys, please don't say that. 
Hey, so glad you're here. Oh, man, I shouldn't be podcasting right now. I've got to water the plants and the dog needs to go outside. And I mean, but I want to record now because the baby's asleep. But uh, yeah, that's not really what I'm talking about. But I, I do, when you have a chance to share a story about you that goes with the topic you're talking about, I would do that. That's my recommendation. Some people are okay with that. Other people are not comfortable sharing as much. And I can't tell you how much to share or not share. I'm just here that as we're worried about robots taking our jobs, they can't do that. So let's double down in the same way that Taylor Swift doubled down on her breakup songs. Let's double down on being human because in the future, that's something that, at least for now, the robots don't have on us. An example of this is Mark Hazaro, member of the School of Podcasting, does a show, Lessons from the Cockpit. And nobody has that kind of experience. I'm helping another person that back in the 70s, there were you know different Iran-Iraq conflicts. And the stuff that got shared in the mainstream media I know this is shocking, is not really the full story. And he wants to get that story out. That is something robots can't give you because they weren't there. And the only thing chat GPT is pulling from is best information on the internet. Take it for what it's worth from maybe two years ago. You can't replace personal experience and insight. Sure. You can take your transcription of your story and have some sort of AI tool reshape it, reword it, and maybe make it better. But that original source of your experience is something robots will never have. So when I talk about what makes a good podcast, and you'll hear me say, anytime you can make somebody laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain, When you educate while you make them cry or while you make them laugh or whatever it is, that education grows their intelligence, but you connect on the emotional side of that. When somebody says, I remember when my ex-wife whipped a ashtray at my head and it got embedded in the wall or the time she smashed a plate of eggs in my face. Somebody out there is going to go, I had one of those. Yeah, so did I. Once in a drunken, hulking state, ripped a cupboard door off the cupboard and whipped it at my head. And had I not ducked, I don't think I'd be podcasting right now. Some of you can relate to that. But I want you to notice something, and I did that on purpose. I'm getting further and further away from our core discussion, which is how can we make a better podcast? So. In just a second, I'm going to explain things about is your content relatable? And back on episode 804, I gave you 15 tips that I picked up from the movie Get Back about the Beatles. And today, after watching the movie on Hulu called Eight Days a Week, there's some more really interesting things that I was like, I never noticed that. That actually relates to podcasters. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number one. All right. So what can we learn from the Beatles? The one that I noticed, I was like, huh, their early songs. And I mentioned this earlier, but they didn't say shake it up babies now, shake it up people now. It was singular. Shake it up baby now, twist and shout. 
Uh, all my loving, I will give to you people. Nope, just going to give it to you. They talk to one person. This works, I think, much better for most people. I realize some people are like, nope, I want to talk to a group. That's yours. But for me, I like to talk to one person. Number two. And this one I think is important. Before they got their big break and came to America, the Beatles performed 48 nights straight in Hamburg, Germany, in kind of a strip club district. They played 12 hours a day. So let's stop a second. Let's slow down. 12 hours a day. They all slept in the same room, and it was 12 hours a day, 48 days straight. That is 576 hours. How do you grow your audience? Practice. And that practice made them a great live band. We were great live performers then. I don't think anybody in the world ever saw us outside of Liverpool and a few places where we traveled to because that's when we had to perform live to a small audience in the dance hall. We had to hold them. And how do you hold their attention? By practicing eight hours a day for 48 days straight. Number three. In podcasting, they see you before they hear you, and the Beatles definitely looked different. They stood out, and that's really two in one. Number one, they worked on their branding, and they were obviously different. Number four. They had proof that they had a good product. Paul McCartney talks about before they went to America, that was their one big chance. And if you went there and failed, you're probably maybe not going to get a second chance. So let's make sure our product is good. So let's make sure our podcast is good before we really start promoting it. I'd been very fussy about America. I'd said, we can't go to America and come back having failed. If we ever get a number one, then we can really go in and, you know, we'll be kings. This is why I always say, get some feedback on your content before you tell everybody to come listen to it. And I'm not sure, but I think that's one of the things that people still are not doing on a regular basis. And that's fine. It's your show. But you are, in essence, then practicing in public. You're making all the tweaks, hoping that you can get them to come back. And I am not a fan of green peppers. I've tried them twice. And if somebody came up to me and said, hey, try this pizza. It's covered in green peppers. I'm not going back. I tried it once. I don't like it. And when you say, no, 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 you've never tried mine this way. It's hard to get somebody to come back from something when they've already given you that first impression. And it's hard to get a second impression, especially when the first one was bad. That doesn't mean you'll never get a second chance. It just means it's going to be harder and it's better if you get some feedback because, look, authors have rough drafts. Athletes have preseason. Actors have dress rehearsals. We all have ways of practicing before we get to the, quote, real thing. And that real thing is your launch. When you tell everybody, you tell your newsletter, you tell your family and friends, everybody go to my website. I've got links there where you can subscribe. Don't go to America until you're good. So don't go to the world through all the different podcast apps until you have proof of concept. And to bring it back to what we originally started talking about, people are relating to my content. Number four. They gave amazing interviews. 
I am, I was blown away at how fast their wit was. And I don't think that's something you can practice. You're kind of either born with it or not. But when they came to America, there was this big press conference and somebody said, why do the girls scream? And Paul McCartney's like, I have no idea why. And John Lennon says, yeah, what we should do is if we knew what makes girls scream, we'd start a new group and we'd be their manager. Somebody else to ask, hey, because again, back then their hair was considered like crazy long. And they're like, are you going to get a haircut while you're here? And they're like, no. And George Harrison pipes in. Yeah, I had one yesterday. And they didn't get upset if someone asked a somewhat kind of demeaning question. Number five. One reporter was lucky enough to actually get an interview with John Lennon. And the lesson we can learn here is know your guest, whoever you're interviewing, do some research because he has John Lennon. He goes, and which one are you? To which John says, I'm Eric. And he says, well, Eric. And John Lennon goes, that was a joke. I'm John. The reporter looks like a total idiot. So that's five additional tips that we can get from the Beatles to help us be better podcasters. And I want to get back to relatability. Being relatable starts with knowing who your audience is. In the book Story Worthy, which is my favorite book on storytelling by Matthew Dix, you can have a link out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 882. He talks about how one time in his life, he was out in the winter, a lot of snow, got in a car accident, flew through the windshield, knocked out all of his bottom teeth, and died temporarily. He got better. Yeah, so he died, and everybody's like, wow, that's such an amazing story. But he knows his audience, and that audience is you. And he knows, like, if he went to you and said, hey, Dave, remember that time when you were in a car accident and died? I'll be like, uh, no. No, actually, I've, I've never done that. I uh, hope to kind of avoid that, actually. Exactly. Nobody can relate to that. So in that story, he talks about how he ends up in the hospital, obviously. He, they revive him. They take him to the hospital. They got to put him back together. And his parents are called, and they're not winning any awards for parent of the year because they're more worried about the car. And so here is Matthew. He's getting ready to go into surgery. And as you might imagine, as a a young man, he's a little nervous about this whole thing. And he, because he's a responsible guy, he told the nurse, he said, can you call my job and let people know that I'm not coming in tonight? And so the nurse did. And the people at his job found out what had happened. And they all came to see him. And they got there just before he went into surgery. Now, can you relate to ever feeling alone? I think the answer to that is yes. We've all felt alone. And that's what that story is about. It's not about the car crash. It's about a time when Matthew felt alone. And in the end, you know what? You can't pick your family, but sometimes your family picks you. That's a great story. That's something that can be related to. In the book I'm reading right now, Listenable, the one I said I love because it sounds like something I would write, he talks about how it really boils down to two things, content and delivery. And he says, and when it comes to content, what I mean is stories. So here again, if you can share stories, 
That's not something that anybody can reproduce, especially if it's around your subject. Whatever you're talking about, illustrate it with a story. It makes you unique. It makes you stand out and nobody else. Like You can't steal my story about getting hit in the face with a bunch of eggs. <laughs> it's like, unless, of, unfortunately, you've done that. I get that. And I also, because I just came back from across the pond, I realize talking about yourself isn't a very, very American thing to do. It's like, enough about me. What do you think about me? Yeah, I get how that can come across. And again, that's where that imposter syndrome comes in. Why would anybody care about me? If you're telling a story that pulls on people's heartstrings, makes them laugh, makes them cry, makes them think, they're just going to get sucked in. And I started this kind of by talking about jelly rolls, some guy I never heard of. At the end of that documentary, he is filling an arena. He is filling an arena with people who are singing his music. And you heard his background. It wasn't great. And if you watch the documentary, there's a lot of life in a van down by the river. Yeah, exactly. So am I nervous when I see all this artificial intelligence? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a little spooky, but I'm sure the mailman was really nervous the first time he saw email. I about fell out of my chair in my grandmother's living room when she informed me that she was born in 1899, and in her lifetime, she had seen things go from horse and buggy to the space shuttle. She lived to be into her late 90s, and so I barely, and I mean barely remember black and white TV, and now all this automated stuff, who knows? Does it make me nervous? Sure. Does it make me excited? Yeah, kind of. Where's this going to end up? I don't know, but we're going to find out together. If you need help with your podcast, I would love to see what we can do together. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener will save you on either a monthly or yearly subscription that gets you step-by-step tutorials that gets you an insanely cool private mastermind filled with brilliant podcasting minds as well as unlimited, no, that's not a typo, unlimited one-on-one consulting with me. And if that's not enough, if you're still nervous, a 30-day money-back guarantee. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener. Thanks so much for listening. If you know somebody who would like this, can you share it with them? That'd be great. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. And have Robo Dave read it. Hit it, ladies. One more thing. In the event you guessed this wasn't really Dave, this is as bad as this technology will ever sound. It will only get better from this point forward. We are all screwed. So I could get ChatGPT to come up with some mediocre content and have Robo Dave read it. Hit it, ladies. Hit it, ladies. One more thing. In the event you guessed this wasn't really Dave, this is as bad as this technology will ever sound. It will only get better from this point forward. We are all screwed. I heard of a tool in London called Eleven Labs, 
and it was pretty impressive. I was sitting next to Mike Russell from Music Radio Creative, and he, the real Mike, said something. And then out of his phone, his fake voice said something he typed. It was pretty spooky. You know what else is spooky? This isn't really Dave. I uploaded four one-minute clips of me, and 11 labs made me sound like this. So I could get ChatGPT to come up with some mediocre content and have Robo Dave read it. Hit it, ladies. Absolutely. Dave, keep doing what you're doing. 